Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. 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 Back to throw Energize myself yeah. after the downer that I just had in my ear from our producer, Pat Coco. <laughs> yeah, like, that was just brutal. Like, it's coming here and just slaying me. So, to people who might be just listening to the podcast only, or if you're just tuning in on CBS Sports HQ, we do our At This Hour, where we give our news updates. I read them. You do one of them sure. uh, throughout the show. I didn't think it was that bad. And Coco just hammered me. So, that was the worst one I've ever done. I tried to ad lib a little bit, which is always a little bit risky yeah. in this business. But I didn't think it was that awful. A lot of things in this business. I didn't think it was that bad either. Right. Thank you. A lot of things in this business that you take for granted, and I've said this before, that oh, that sounds pretty easy. I right. listen to it every day. It's really difficult. Right. You get off script for one second on one yeah. of these things in a it read. throw you for a and, loop. And it throw your whole thing off. Sound like a babbling idiot. That's right. I didn't think I sounded like a babbling idiot that bad. <laughs> no, uh, I thought you saved it. It was thank fine. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we have got a ton of NBA to get to today. Shaquille O'Neal uh, gave some interesting comments on Giannis and Tenacupo. Uh, the Wizards are making some changes and a little bit of college football as Georgia's running in some troubles with the law. Uh, what does it mean for Kirby Smart and his program? Before we get to Pop, who was ejected early in his game last night, we were talking about, you know, relationship advice the other day. Yes. Speaking of, I just want to stroke ourselves a little bit because I actually, does your wife listen to our podcast? No. Neither is mine. Like, I don't know. Mine doesn't either. I was like, maybe the first one. She was like, let me see how I it is. say anything then, on this thing. Exactly. Yeah. I could too. Right. But I wanted to play back for her the conversation we had on Gino Ariema. Okay. I thought it was fun. I thought it was entertaining. If you missed it, you can go listen to our podcast or oh. you can see the entirety on YouTube. Check out our YouTube okay. channel, which our boy uh, Debo posts on at Canel and Bell. So I wanted to show her your comments on our difference in coaching because I thought right. it was hilarious right. how you right. were like hard on your kids and I'm soft on ours. And she, she enjoyed it too. But when I fired it up, and open the podcast, it was the conversation about the shoes. And so I was like, no, 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 let me get this through that. And she's like, wait, what was that? No. I was like, no, 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 don't no, worry about right. it. So You played yourself a little bit. Yeah, so little I, bit. I did have a friend of mine uh, tweet me about it. He listens to the show, yeah. Brian McCartney, and he, he really enjoyed that conversation too. Yeah, no, it was good stuff. And a lot of people are uh, talking about it too, the challenge of coaching in today's environment. You know who hasn't struggled at all with coaching is uh, one Greg Popovich, the uh, head coach of the Spurs, obviously has quite the dynasty going there. Uh, with all the championships, the Hall of Famers that he's coaching, a fantastic job. Last night, maybe not the most fantastic job for him, as he made an early exit in the game versus the Nuggets. This was very curious to see and why, and I'm interested to hear your uh, take on this, because he got ejected just 63 seconds into a game. He was upset over a non-call on Paul Millsap. My thing with this, and I'll ask you, like, is this – just purposeful? Is he trying to make a statement? Is he trying to let one of his assistants coach? Because it just seems so odd. Yeah, the way I was reading it, first of all, he's got a very competent assistant staff from Becky Hammond to a Tory Messina. I forget his name, but he, legendary uh, European coach. You've got, um, um, uh, Ime Odoko over there, like very accomplished guys who could handle, you know, coaching a game in his absence. So he's fine if he, if he leaves his team. He's also a guy who is known for, doing it on spite, like purposefully getting kicked out to to, right. to spur his team on. I think it was a little too early for that. What I think happened was it was a call that he thought should have been made, and he wanted to establish with the refs kind of early in the game, you know, that he expected a, a, a certain whistle. And he didn't really curse at a ref or say anything out of pocket, and the ref was thin-skinned and teched him. And then I think he lost it. Right. There are guys that feel, and Pop falls in this category, like you owe them a certain amount of – Respect or, uh, or, you know, leash 
in terms of being able to talk to officials and have conversations. And when that leash is shortened unexpectedly with no, with no, uh, with no reasoning for, for, for a, a, a coach, he's probably going to lose his stuff. And I think that's what happened to Pop last night. So the official was Mark Aoti. Is that how you say? I don't Something know. Something like that. Uh, and it was the second, uh, it was back to back. He got ejected. He was ejected the game before that, which probably I'm wondering, because it's, it's like relationships. I mean, you do build relationships. And the more I've heard you talk about uh, officials, the more I've heard other NBA t- players talk about officials. Like, I could only name probably two or three NFL yeah. refs by name. And much you guys seem to fraternity. know all of them. Much and you, like, fraternity. know exactly who they are. You have a better feel for their personalities. Sure. So it does seem like this is one of those personal ones. Was Mark on the staff that ejected him the last time? That's why I was – oh, so we know he said it was a different – it was a different ref that ejected but him. Might have been – it was probably the same crew, though, right, if they're in the same vicinity? Yes. Yeah, it so, was in San Antonio? Well, no, those crews fly all over the place, so the, it was probably a completely different okay. crew. But that's a small fraternity, too, just like NBA players are. They the might NBA text refs, each other. The, those relationships, you run afoul of some of them. Um, there are some refs that can separate – you know, their relationship with their peers from their relationship with you. Yeah. Others aren't as good at it. They're humans too. You know, I know I talk a lot of stuff and I, I hate how, the, how the interaction goes down sometimes, but at the end of the day, they are human. And so if one of their buddies, you kind of ran afoul of him and, and said some choice words to him and got sideways and, and that, that message gets relayed and then you pop off, you know, at him a couple nights later. He might have a reaction to that. According to Sportsnet, it's the fastest ejection for a coach in NBA history, beating the old rather uh, record held by Wizards' Flip Saunders, who was 106 seconds. Fantastic. Uh, it was back in 2012. The Spurs went on to lose. They got blown out 113.85. So obviously, he was trying to light a spark on him. That didn't work. I don't think that's what it was, though. I think it was more personal, and he got upset because he was ejected the night before. It's his 20th uh, career ejection for Pop. The refs in the previous game, see if you know any of these dudes, uh, that he got ejected from Ed Malloy, sure. Dedrick Taylor, and C.J. Washington. So I played college basketball with Didi. Really, Dedrick Taylor? Yeah, he's from he's from the Miami area. Um, I know his his family. Uh, I, oh, and he did he also officiate some of your games? Yeah, he officiated. So you, and so you know, like you'd be yes. like, "What's up?" Like you dap him, like say, How, I, "How's it going?" Yes, I know Didi. There's another ref. His name is. Um, did you get uh, better calls from him? John, no. Um, <laughs> John, what's John's last name? John. Uh, I forget his name, but he played at Miami High, so I've known him a long time. He's teched me up too. Eric Lewis is one of my sister's best friends. He's kicked me out of games before. They don't really. You would think that they give you some kind of like a little extra benefit. They they typically don't do that. All right, we have some uh, sound from that game afterwards. Pop was having some fun with the media. Johnny Goble is his name. My ah, friend. there you go. We were just talking about now, NBA what, record what BS that was tonight. What was the record? What happened? Uh, somebody got thrown out in 63 seconds. Are you serious? <laughs> that that person must have. I mean, he must have hit somebody. <laughs> did somebody uh, get hit tonight? No, I don't or think did so. Somebody get cursed at or anything? Uh, it's part of the game in my book. Wow. Okay. Anything else, guys? Hell of a record. Anything for me? I gotta go. Continue with Mikey. All right. Good, Good job, Mikey. Appreciate it, coach. All right, Oh my goodness. So that's the thing I love about Pop is, and I don't think he shows off that side of himself because the only really glimpse you get of Pop is when he does the really short terse interview. Yeah, 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 exactly. Is he more, which, which is Pop more like? That, the one you just saw. The more fun, like the guy, that's, yeah. I mean, guys like playing for him. Yeah, they guys love, him. love playing for him. He's, uh, no, he's tough and he, he holds you to a standard and there's accountability there. But, but, um, you know, he has mentored so many guys, not, not just, 
players but coaches. Did you see the relationship there? I found interesting the relationship between him and Mike Malone in the yeah. clip. You could see Mike kind of kind of have his head down a little bit, like he was a little nervous, and and the hug. He called him coach at the end, didn't even call him you know Pop or Greg or anything like that. That that's a real mentor mentee type of relationship. He's had that effect on a lot of people uh, in the NBA and and San Antonio in general. They and I, I didn't mean to take this somewhere else, but no, look I at like what Sean Marks and Trajan Langdon and those guys are doing in in um in Brooklyn right now. They're one of the best stories in the NBA. They're right off the San Antonio tree with with Pop and um and RC Buford and those guys. They just do a great job. If you're going to be looking to model your franchise after something, look no further than the San Antonio Spurs in terms of, you know, drafting, finding diamonds in the rough guys that otherwise wouldn't be drafted high, getting guys and developing them um you know, they, they just do a really, really good job. And then the consistency of winning in class speak for itself. It was cool. Pop actually called him Mikey. And then it was, and there was, I liked how you noticed the body language. Yeah. It was like deferential. Definitely. You're like, if you see dogs, like, yes, they they interact go. and there's right. an alpha male, yeah. they're always like, you're the boss. Absolutely. That's kind of how it looked. I do think it speaks to, uh, the respect and that he's earned, obviously, over a lot of his, uh, career. But some coaches at that point too also do enjoy mentoring other coaches. They don't feel threatened. Like this guy's not going to take my job. So I'm going to help these guys be successful. I saw the same thing with Mac Brown, who mm-hmm. I worked with in this business and broadcasting. Uh, he would be texting guys constantly and he did it somewhat with me even. Like he's just a personable guy, but I know when coaches were hired, he'd call them, Hey, do you need anything? If you need any advice, right. you know, just feel free to bounce ideas. He was almost, if coaching is a fraternity, he was like the fraternity president. Yeah. You know, I think you even see that. Somewhat with Bill Belichick, with and he's done it obviously at the college game because him and Saban have this great relationship. But remember we talked about Sean McVay and how they texted throughout the season. And I think some of these coaches who you picture as all business curmudgeons, like I think they do enjoy the coaching fraternity and they thrive off those type of relationships. Yeah, definitely. It's pretty cool to see those play out. Uh, more NBA action. The Rockets uh, have continued kind of their late game, uh, late season stretch where they're getting better and better. Uh, they knocked off the Clippers one thirty five to one hundred three. Uh, and one of the reasons that it could be, if you're looking for a reason, obviously they're getting healthier. Right. Uh, with you know, Chris Ball coming back after missing some time, but they also also brought back their defensive coach, Jeff Zdelic. Zdelic, uh, who came back right. on November uh, 23rd. Uh, when they were nine and seven, they were two and seven in the first nine games back, but then they've been 41 and 14 since then. 19 and six since the All Star break. What are you seeing from the Rockets as they're kind of getting things right down the stretch? You know. Obviously, they lost some pieces from last year's team when, when, when you lost your two wings and people would probably look at it and say, well, Trevor Ariza and Luke and Bob Mute, and you keep saying their names, but they didn't produce that much. You can't quantify what they did by just purely rebounds and assists and points. They, they, they meant something to the defensive fabric of that team, um, and to the spacing that the, that they created for, for Clint Capella and, and James Harden and, and those guys. So when you subtract them, you then have to figure out how you're going to play this year to be successful. And then as soon as you start trying to do that, you lose Clint Capella and Chris Paul to injury. So that's a whole lot of moving pieces for a guy like Mike D'Antoni and, and James Harden to figure out what does this version of us have to look like to be successful. And to some degree, I think what they said was, all right, in the immediate, in the immediate, like in now, now in the present, we're going to just let you go completely ham with the ball, James Harden. Yep. We just find your groove, shoot as many shots as you want. Everybody else around will supplement a la the Sixers when I played for them. Allen Iverson, here's the ball. Everybody else rebound. When we get Clint Capella back, 
and we get Chris Paul back, we can really start to sort out who we need to be down the stretch. And that's what you're seeing now. You're seeing a better defensive team. You're seeing a more well-rounded offensive attack. And they're getting production from the P.J. Tuckers. Austin Rivers, great pickup. Uh, Iman Shumpert, very nice pickup. You got Daniel House that's playing really good. So they're starting. They picked up some nice pieces, and they're healthy at the right time, and they're figuring it out. I mean, it's crazy how it wasn't that long ago the conversations we were having surround the Rockets was, is this sustainable? Is this good for them? How hard would it be to play with James Harden? And if it wasn't for James Harden, there's no chance they'd be in the three seed right now with you know right. a few games remaining in the schedule. So credit to Mike D'Antoni for saying, I don't care if we get criticism. And, and the other teammates, too. The guys on the team who probably don't love you watching buy James Harden that. jack it up every time. Uh, them buying in on that process, and it's worked out pretty well. And they do look like one of those teams that's getting hot at the right time. Mike D'Antoni is, is I want to say, one of the best. I think Don Nelson I played for, he didn't care either. They There are some guys that... They care about the optics of it, mm-hmm. right? It, they, they, need, they need everyone to know that they control it. Yep. And that's fine. Some of Hall of Fame guys act like that. Um, Mike and, and Don Nelson had none of that in them. They, they don't. They right. don't care. They just want it to work and they're willing to, you know, let go of some of it. I played for, 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 for Terry Porter right after Mike D'Antoni came in and Terry was just the opposite of Mike. Mike was, Hey man, do your thing. Like, let it go. We're running similar plays, same offenses, but Terry's just a little more heavy handed. You know, we want to call it 21. It's what we've called it forever. It's the same play. Got to call a pistol. We're calling a pistol, you know, and you don't really think that that should make much of a difference, but we feel that as players, we feel the pushback. We feel the resistance to, to you valuing our opinion. You know what I mean? And it's just enough to throw your stuff out of whack a little bit. Yep. Mike is the greatest at just saying, here, right. Do it. Take it. Right. Make it yours. Too many coaches. I think let ego get involved and there is a power structure. And I think they do want to establish themselves as the head coach. So they, some of them say it is going to be my way, but you can't have a healthy relationship with players if you come in too strong with the my way or the highway. Right. There's some things, and that's a perfect example, like does it really matter? Does it matter? All, it right. doesn't. We've like, called it that for four right. years. And, what's, and if you're the coach, this is what I don't understand from the coaching standpoint, is it easier for one person to learn a new language or a new term, or is it easier to get 15 guys or the Correct. entire team to learn it? Like I think you would use your common sense in that standpoint, but a lot of guys don't. They're like, yeah. hey, this is my offense. I don't want to lose that, that it's mine, as, as opposed to just saying, hey, it doesn't matter. Absolutely. And I think it becomes more important the higher, you know, the, at the higher levels, because now you're dealing, you're dealing yeah, with grown professional, grown professional men, right? So there's got to be a give and take. You're going to do it at the youth level. Okay, sometimes you probably know better than a nine-year-old, but you start dealing with grown men who make millions of dollars doing it, and they're they're the best in the world at it. You got to have a little give and take with that. So Mike D'Antoni should definitely probably be in the coach of the year discussion with the injuries sure. that he's dealt with, and you know some of those uh, moves that he's made allow James Harden to take over. Doc Rivers might be another one who might be in the coach of the year discussion. Uh, they're currently sixth in the West. There was a time when they were one in the West. But for him to be able to hang on after they traded their best player at the deadline, uh, they've been seventeen and seven since then. Um, they've got, you know, the, the cast of characters they have playing. If you look at their lineup, it's not exactly, you know, a team that you would select on the court. If you were saying pick up hoops, who are you going to take? It's a bunch of kind of no name random guys. And yet he's been able to kind of maintain their level of play. So it's, it's pretty, who, a, a guy who takes a lot of heat for not producing in the postseason. He's done an incredible job with this team through the regular season. Yeah. No, I don't know that anyone's ever really, well, they did a couple years ago. They questioned Doc's ability to coach. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't have though. Doc was wearing thin from doing too many jobs. Right. Taking that 
uh, whatever it was, president or general managing uh, position off of his plate allows him to just focus on basketball. I've said it before. I was in a front office. I was not a general manager. I, I helped in that in that process, and and my job was exhausting. So watching a general manager, I couldn't even imagine doing that, and then trying to be the head coach of a basketball team. So I think his on court stuff may have sacrificed a bit. But if you subtract that small sample from the equation, Doc's always been a fantastic coach. Um, and what he's doing this year, you know, might be one of his best bodies of work with, to your point, um, an interesting cast of characters. Now, some of these names, the Lou Williams, he's a really, really good player. Mm-hmm. Danilo Gallinari, really, really, really good player. But when we talked about ones and twos and three, like the different levels of players, there's not, not a one not, on that. Not team. ones though. Right. No, but motivated maybe because they've been miscast as a three. And right. They think there are two. So they have something to prove. This is a hungry type of team that kind of plays like Brooklyn in, in that we're not giving you anything. Cause now you got guys like Montrez Harrell, uh, Landry Shamit, young player, Shea Gillis Alexander, young player, Ivac, uh, uh, e- if, what's his name? Ivica Zubak. These are all young guys who aren't going to ever quit. Mm-hmm. So you put some talent around that's good enough to get you some wins with guys that are never going to quit. They're going to scrap tooth and nail for everything out there on an NBA court. And you can wind up having a pretty, pretty good NBA season. Here's the catch, though. you got to have dudes. Yep. Like when it comes to playoff time, you got to have dudes. Right. So when you go up against Houston and they got dudes right. and you got all these dudes who are their game, but they're not dudes – you're going to get beat, and right. that's what's going to happen to them. You mentioned something earlier about Doc Rivers, how the, the challenges of being a GM and a coach. Is it possible in today's NBA to do that? Because I don't know if it is in the NFL. I don't know if it is in base. Like I just, when I look at how the game has grown, how much information is processed by the general manager, the responsibilities, how they've grown over the years. I mean, if if you are that person, you better have a really strong number two. Correct. Like that's right under you. That's going to kind of be the GM. So then it makes me wonder, like, why do you want both roles? Correct. I would say this. If you had that scenario, could you do it? Yeah. Would you be the best you at either one of those jobs? No. Right. If you're, if you're undertaking them together, you're sacrificing something on either front. Either you're not going to be the best coach you could be, or you're not going to be the best general manager you could be. You, you, you might still be great, but you're not going to be as great as you could be by, by doing only one job. Both of those are, 24 seven time consumed. There's not no, no time off. Yep. No time. Yep. You know, that's a hard thing to do to, to, to do two jobs, uh, in that kind of capacity. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if that, you know, if guys get those types of opportunities. Cause I think organizations, franchises are saying, man, it's really tough and they're starting to uh, lean away from it, right. which makes a lot of sense. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. Uh, yesterday, we talked about Bryce Harper's bat flip, mm-hmm. right? Uh, when he w- returned to D.C., 
went back against his old team. There was obviously a very emotional night. They were going back and forth. You and I disagreed on it. You right. thought it was perfectly within the reason Correct. of the uh, scope of right. uh, the most reasonable people. Would yeah, know. exactly. Yeah, most. Well, no, 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 no. Not most reasonable people. <laughs> I think it's old school versus new school. It I think is where it is. I think it is. Yeah, I, think I have. Well, I have a follow up question for you on that because you you think it's okay. Here's the only thing I would caution against, and I think there is a curious kind of trend that's taking place because everybody loves the bat flip. Like mm-hmm. the younger generation, people that love, want to see baseball succeed, they're like, why not? Let them celebrate. Are you okay? What if Max Scherzer, who's on the mound, yeah. after the first strikeout, would have been like, yeah, you, you, right there, sit down, and like gone and like this. What, would you have been okay with that? Uh, no, because you're actually pointing at someone. Oh, but he's just celebrating an emotion. No, 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 no. I think a more, a more, you know, accurate, uh, 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 comparison would be if Max Scherzer had a strikeout for the first time and just, yeah, and he did something like that. Like, I'm right. fine with that. Right. Now you're going to point and you're going to taunt somebody. It, like, it pers- stare down. personally, I don't care about a stare down. You don't. You're Max okay Scherzer, you want to stare somebody down and, and, and clinch your face. You're okay and with like, that. I got you. You're good. Right. You start pointing and taunting and, and doing that. You know, now, now we got some tempers flaring. I do think it is interesting that most people lean on the side of bat flips are okay, but I don't think they would be okay if pitchers really were doing as much. I just, I think it's curious that everybody's for the bat flips. No one ever talks about a pitcher getting hyped. Well, pitchers are, you're out there a long time. You're coming up to bat once every what, two and a yeah. half, three innings. Yeah. So there's less of, there's less opportunity to do it. Here, here's why I really didn't have, I'm not for I bat ultimately, flip. like I didn't, I kind of liked it. Like I thought it was good, yeah. but I was also curious. And I thought if I was Bryce Harper, I would have been prepared to wear one. I got, like, I I got, right. If you want to do that, then it's kind of like you give, you take, you're going to get something back. your kids. So they didn't throw at him yesterday. Uh, I don't think they forgot. They said they didn't mind it. Baseball players notoriously have memories that last forever. Keep that in the back of their mind, huh? It was April 3rd. Yeah. Beginning of the season. They're still in a tight race. You know, they're still fighting. Sometime in June, maybe. Yeah. Slow day. And you know, you're watching Bryce Harper tear it up and maybe he says a couple more things about his teammates. Uh I, I think there's just, just keep an eye on it. So what, what happened to you on Twitter? So I tweeted out, uh, that yesterday morning, I was like, I can't wait. And I said, can't wait till Nationals drill Harper for that bat flip, uh, tonight. I was like, hey, so I caught a lot of heat from that. So I got the obligatory, a lot of old man yells at clouds, gifts. I'm a grumpy old man. And I admit, that's an old school thought. Right. And I do, I'm aware enough to realize, especially after the fact, I almost got ratioed. I didn't fully get ratioed. Do you know what ratio nope. yet is it? So there's a thing called favorites, uh-huh. which you want a lot of those. Like you get a lot of favorites. That's the number that's on the right. And then the ratio is the comments that are left on there. So you always want to be out in front of the favorites and lesser comments. Oh, okay. if, get, if people don't want a favorite, they'll comment instead. Usually they're shredding you or sending you a gift that looks like this. I'm a grumpy old man. Oh, like man. that. That's what they usually this get. so confusing so, to me. Uh, it is. I, this, my head is spinning right now. I don't even know what we're up, talking about. I did not get ratioed officially, but there were a lot of comments, and most of them were coming at me right. saying I'm an old man. Um, I am aware enough that I do. This is why I don't know why. I don't understand. Why do people beef? You, 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 I could still. Look, I like the bad flip. I would still have been fine with them hitting right, Harper. Right. Why I, did you like both? Well, so then the thing that bothered me the most, uh, and usually I'll check the people with the better reputation. I don't want a bunch of trolls like that have two followers that live in their mom's basement and just right. doing it to get a reaction. But verified you know followers. Who you, are. Verified, you know who you are. You know who you are. They know who they are. You know who Where's you are. Where's our boy uh, Angel? Angel or whatever his name was. I told Where's you, it? I get down with Angel. You better leave yeah. Angel alone. No, so I like, like when I look at people who are legitimate, yeah. like, I'm like, oh, I'll take more response to them. So Keith Law, who was a prominent baseball writer, has written books. He went to Harvard and he likes uh, to tell you about oh, it. Oh, okay. Uh, he came at me and and said, 
some of the effect like, oh, so you're rooting for Harper to get hurt? And I'll, that kind of ticked me off because I never said you got hurt. Right. Then we had a back and forth, and it just kind of devolved from there. I ended up calling him a name, which I don't usually do. Yeah, I'm usually pretty got, nice. So he I got went under on your tilt. skin. Yeah, I went on yeah. tilt a little bit. Uh, he called out my views on concussions, which we totally put out a view that's not all correct. Right, He's like, right. you don't believe in concussions, which right. I've never said. Uh, so I got it, and I actually deleted <laughs> the name I called him because I felt guilty about it. I'm like, I don't want to come. <laughs> Ultimately, we both look like idiots in yeah, that circumstance. circumstance. There, uh, there were a bunch of people that had uh, – world of Twitter. Yeah, that's why you're the smart one. Like, I think I'm taking years off of my life I by just, wasting time with people on Twitter. I don't have great self-control, so I know that if I'm in there – it's it's just gonna end poorly for me, so yeah. I, I just don't want to be there. Yeah, it was uh, it was not fun. So I think I'm gonna have to I'm gonna uh, Coca move on. Listen, <laughs> I'm gonna move on when I feel like moving on. Right. I just want to be frank about that. <laughs> okay, right. all right, let's keep it we'll moving. <laughs> See, we'll keep it moving. Uh, ja Morant was a ton of fun to watch this past season. Uh, Florida State was very concerned about him. Almost, you know, in the first half, he put the team on his back. Ultimately, yep. couldn't do it all by himself. Florida State had too much athletes. He was eliminated. But Murray State's uh, guard has been insane. A lot of comparisons to Russell Westbrook. He was insane. He was named a first-team uh, All-American. I don't think anybody was surprised. Declares for the draft. Now the conversation becomes, where do you see him getting drafted? One, possibly. His no. dad came out and said the only place I would take him is one. Obviously good for Pops to come out and support him like that. I love that right. from a dad that says that. Uh, two is a possibility. And is three a possibility. is a possibility. Yeah. you got R.J. Barrett, he and Zion, kind of those locks in the third slot. The only question mark is where do they go? Our Reed Forgrave in his latest mock draft has him going three overall. Is that where you see him? Yeah. There's a chance he could pass up R.J. Barrett? I do. I do. Depending on what happens in, in the workouts, um, you know, when he gets into people's buildings and they get a chance to talk to him, and, and then conversely, what RJ does in those workouts and those interviews, you know, I think though, you know, when when you're a team sitting at number two, you're going to compare and contrast them based on what what you see in your building. Um, I do I do think that this draft um, has been so heavily affected by the media. And I don't love it because this should be a conversation about which one of these three goes one versus which one of the two goes number two. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I really do believe that Zion is a good player. I don't think that he should be a lock for number one. I think that is more media and, and since like YouTube sensations and, and, and click driven than it is actually skill set and 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 uh, athleticism translating to the NBA driven, if that makes any sense. Totally makes uh, sense. You know, and and I understand. I've said it on on air before. Any general manager sitting at number one, you risk your job if you don't take him and he pans out. So you're going to take him. But I do think this should be a more wide open conversation with teams about is Zion the best fit for us? Do we think he's going to be the best pro, or could John Morant be the best pro? Because I would I would tell you that the jury is out for me. I do not believe that Zion is just penciled in as the best pro out of the three of those kids. I think it's a very fluid conversation, and I think that any one of them could wind up being the best. And I've told you before, I think RJ, I give him the edge over Zion, and Jaws right in the same conversation for me. Is there any significance to who has the top three picks according to need? No. Or are you taking the, the play you think is best and you figure it out what, what i mean when what if i were drafting in a vacuum or yeah, this year saying, like could that be the difference in john morant is point guard against rj Barrett oh yes at number forward. two like, yes absolutely what fits your need. well unless you unless you deem one of them to be that much better than the other one right if you're telling me like on that scale like if ja is a number one 
and RJ is a number three, but we need a small forward, I'm still taking Ja. Right. You, you've got him much better uh, uh, rated than, than uh, RJ. But if you're talking about having them relatively even on your board and you need the point, yeah, I go with the point. I am fascinated by the whole, fascinated by the whole Zion Williamson conversation and where does he go? Because I think he's virtually a lock because of the media. And here's the thing I would say about all of this: because there are a lot of people that say, "Hey, he got hosed. He had to go to college. You know, he you know he couldn't make his money." I think the fact he's going one is because it helped him. It was at Duke? Yeah, yeah. He would have been number four or something like that if you had allowed a, a draft for for that class last year. He would not have been number one. Right. His the Duke brand, platform. Boosted his whole, right. you know, stock. And I think it is a sign of 2019, the type of pressure that comes from the media now because it is so prevalent in social media and coaches read it and GMs read it and they pay attention to it. That maybe 10 years ago, before there was Twitter, before there was all this, a coach would have been saying, I don't care what people think. Where now, to your point, if you pass on Zion, there's going to be so many people that question it in the media that you probably will get. And the owner, who's not as connected, is not doing as much study, would be more likely to say, "I can't believe we passed on Zion." And if he screws, if he screws, if he's not, you know, an all star by th- year three, you're right. on. And you know? media, they build brands, man. Yep. The, the, the guys sitting in front office, they're not immune to that. They hear it. They're tuned into every, you know, uh, thing on TV or podcast. They're listening. So if you're building a brand through those vehicles, it's going to get to them. They're not, it's not as easy to separate that. The better ones can. They can separate the hype from what they actually evaluate in their building and stuff like that. But there are a lot of them that, that, that can't do that. They are going to be swayed to some degree, whatever percentage that is, by the brand and the narrative that's been perpetrated by the media. And I, again, I want to be fair to Zion. I think he's a really good player. He was the best player in college basketball just because he was purely more physical and and more gifted than the guys he was playing against. I don't know at what level that translates to the NBA, and that's as fair as I can be. Yep. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. So breaking news right here that we're able to give it to you. Yep. And it affects one of us more than another, potentially. And it's kind of cool because it's going to be on uh, CBS. Yeah. So CBS and CBS Sports have come out. They have reached an agreement uh, with the big three, the yeah. basketball league, which is entering year three uh, of its existence, they have announced a TV deal with CBS Sports Network and CBS. The first game of the season is going to air in prime time uh, in June on CBS Network. They're going to awesome. air the big three draft live on CBS Sports Network Wednesday, May 1st. Oh, that would be cool. It's going to be awesome. And the league is exploding. Like if you sure. look, attendance numbers were up. It started 11,000, went up to 14,000. The buzz that it gets on social media is awesome. But I think, you know, it's, it's interesting because we were talking about the AAF yesterday and how it's struggling. And meanwhile, the big three is thriving, getting this new TV deal. And I think it's because of a couple reasons. Uh, one, because you do have a new TV deal, like, and it's going to be a successful venture, mm-hmm. but also because of the star power that's there. So they already had guys like Amari Stoudemire, uh, Steven Jackson, Carlos Boozer, um, Chris Birdman Anderson. Yeah, Nate Robinson. Like big names. Right. Yeah. Now they've added some new top tier players and Jason Terry, Joe Johnson, Josh Smith, Kendrick Perkins, uh, Gilbert Arenas, Al Jefferson, Lamar Odom, Steve Blake, Mario Chalmers. Like these are some pretty, these are real names. names. Yes. Yeah. Real legitimate NBA stars, uh, that played and had successful careers and were, uh, champions. So, and the coaches are also unbelievable too. Dr. J, Gary Payton, Nancy Lieberman, Rick Barry, Lisa Leslie, and George the Iceman Gervin. Yeah. You've got legitimate star power, which is something that AAF did not have. Like you had no reason to tune in other unless you were gambling on it. This one 
they sell as an event. Uh, it's entertaining. The guys talk smack. They're mic'd up. Yeah. It's really a unique situation. My question for you is when are we going to see Raja Bell either playing <laughs> right. or broadcasting, giving the play-by-play for these Yeah. Games? Well, playing, I was I, – <laughs> <laughs> so, my kids love the big three. Yeah. Absolutely love it. And, I, you know, it's been a fight for me to get them to actually watch NBA games. NBA games, though, are kind of long. And, and you know, my, my kids are these millennials that just want to sit there and they want to watch the big three game real quick and get out. They love it. Um, I've taken them to big three games. And so they really wanted me to play. This year I was asked by a few people to play on their teams. Um, and I, I was going to do it. And then my back, man, you know, I just – I'm not in any kind of shape. My back doesn't feel great, and so I will not play in the big three. I've told them that I that I can't do that. But now that we got this relationship, All right. now that we're in, yeah, maybe see, I think it's interesting because yeah. the games that I've watched. I mean, if Charles Oakley is out there getting it in, you tell me his back isn't a little bit sore. You can do it with a little bit of a sore back. Yeah, like, it's not like you're going full court. It's not like you're. Well, you think they're exerting. Like full 100% no, energy. Some I mean, of the guys are coasting. They're, they're just playing for the crowd. Yeah. Other guys take it more seriously. You get better players in there, like what they're trying to do now. And it's going to, it's going to ramp it up a little bit. And I'm, I'm fine with that. Half court is a lot different than full. Yes. Yeah. That, that will, that will alleviate some of the, the problems. Like I told you, I was in LA fitness the other day in Long Island and I tried to play full court. I was, I was awful and I felt terrible. I couldn't even move the next day. Um, but you know, what happens to me is you, I got family. And they've made a big change where it was going to be like you flew out on a Thursday and and it was over the summer months. So your, your, your kids, you know, weren't in school, but you, you only played that one day and then you were back. So you weren't missing the whole week. Now they're playing two games, I think in each destination. So the time away from home becomes more like five days instead of three days. And then you miss your kids whole summer. And so you couple that with, with my back and stuff like that. And I've I've got a really good gig here. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm cool. So I don't necessarily have to play, but. If you want to bring me in to broadcast right. games, see now, maybe I, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and hitch my, my wagon. You're a truck. So I want to get in on this. Yeah, right? Cause I think right. if Sean McManus is watching Canel and Bell, cause he's a huge fan of the show, obviously the head of CBS, uh, the big wig, like that's the big boss, huge fan of Canel and right. Bell. I'm sure he's watching right now. I think you would be perfect with the headset on there. Oh, analyzing the you, games. Yeah. You've got a lot of personality. Huh. You'd be fantastic. And I could be running around getting the sideline interviews. Oh, you know, rap reported. Yeah. And then we could promote Kennell and Bell. All of a sudden, boom, we all blow up. Everybody's happy. You got it all laid out. I like I got it all laid at. out. So that, and that, that's what five minutes worth of information. That was just a loose blueprint. Yeah, like, exactly. We haven't even really, yeah, exactly. We haven't like, even, hey, really hey, what, let what our about us? Shine. What do we get oh, yeah. to do? <laughs> you guys can come. They have water boy positions that are open. You know, the little kids that clean up the towels and they clean Dang. up the sweat spots. You guys, they definitely are hiring for that. You guys can do it. I don't, I don't appreciate the way you're treating us today. All right, no, here we go, Coca. You guys could all, we could do a pregame show. From site, boom. There you go. And they, you guys can produce it. That's actually a, probably a better, I don't even know they have a pregame show. They need one. They need. There you go. Boom. We got all the ideas solved right here. The, uh, the league is only, the deal has only been announced about five minutes. We've already got the talent lined up. Yeah. And it's right here in this room. Good for big three, though. All no, jokes aside, really cool. that's pretty big time, man. It that's, is really cool. I was asking you, because I think the most, the thing it's most similar to because you have legends of the game, either coaching or playing, is similar to what you see with the PGA, you know, with golf, because you have the Champions Tour, right. where they still want to compete. And that's the ultimate. Like, it's really hard for guys to give up the game. In football, when you're 40, you know, unless you're Tom Brady, you have to give it up. Your body will not let you. In some cases, basketball, they won't either. But you can still go out and play pickup a little bit. Yeah. You still have those juices flowing. And it's great. And the thing that's really cool about it is the fans – 
get to watch you. They get to pay tribute. And a lot of times there's autograph sessions and you get to see a different side. So it kind of continues the interest in the sport. Like it's good for basketball. It is good for basketball. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys, in, in, like I was old when I retired because I went to five years of college and then I didn't make the NBA in my first two years. So I wind up being relatively old for NBA, you know, standards when I retire. A lot of these guys retire mid thirties. So they, they, they really still need something. They can't do it at the, at the full court NBA level, but right. those competitive juices haven't gone anywhere. There's, they still need to put it out and it's still quality basketball. And, but what, what makes them really successful aside from the star power yep. is, and you touched on it is they don't, they don't market it as what the NBA is. Like right. AAF was the same product that you're getting at the NFL, just on a lesser scale. This is marketed differently. It's a different game. They're playing half court. They're four point shots. It's, yeah. it's an event. It's, fun. it's completely different. Yeah. It's fun and it's entertainment. Right. It is entertaining to watch. I do think it'll be interesting to see if, if it ever kind of morphs into something where players see it as a viable option to get back. I think that originally get back to the NBA. The way I read it, and I didn't ask anyone this, some of the some of the younger guys, the Nate Robinsons, maybe you know, just it, out of the first, game. Just out of the game. I think that they thought it might be a vehicle to show some NBA teams that they still had something left. I don't know that there's been anyone brought from the big three back to the NBA. I think that ship has kind of sailed, so I don't believe it to ever turn into that. I think it's more for guys that just want to get out there and, you know, it's it's pretty good check from what I hear. Right. Um, just for the summer months playing some ball, which you'd probably be doing in your pickup gym anyway if you could still do it. It's a win, win, win. Absolutely. So it's going to be fun to watch that unfold as we'll get more news to you right here on CBS Sports HQ about all the developments, who's signing, who's coming, who's going, and who's going to be doing the broadcast. This guy right here. Uh, all right. Let's move on because we got college football. I can't believe it. It's kind of crept up on us all. Yeah. I realize there are spring football games this weekend. Really? That means they've already done most of their spring practice. Uh, you know, they've already done everything. This is the final. So spring football's ending. That's usually what most yeah. teams, uh, end. Their... I had no idea. It's crazy. I mean, yeah. it's really snuck, uh, snuck up on everybody. Uh, some teams are focused on that. Other teams are focusing on off the field issues, which is never fun, but it's okay. something that almost every program has to deal with. And Georgia, uh, is in, is dealing with one now where you've got a couple of pl- uh, players who were arrested. You've had some issues with Kirby Smart's team. Uh, he came out quote when these players were arrested. I uh, said he was extremely disappointed, and he said himself, quote, he's done a poor job with this group. Right. Obviously, you would love to have – I mean, there is there is a little bit of a list growing. So last month, four of Kirby Smart's uh, Georgia Bulldogs were arrested for various offenses with those ranging from traffic violations, suspended license. That's stupid. Simple battery, a little more serious. Disorderly conduct, kind of a college thing. Um, you know, which, these different issues that crop up. And then when you got in April, you have the two uh, guys that were arrested with uh, misdemeanor possession of marijuana. I, you know, and Kirby Smart will take some heat from the media, but it does beg the question, at what point is the coach responsible for all the players' actions? Yeah, uh, that's it's a tough one because none of those really mean much to me. Right. right. Some people might be offended and think that they're thugs and criminals. None of that. I could, I could you, you get pulled over in a car. Right? right, the faint smell of marijuana. Whether you should be smoking it or not, it's not like you're out there dealing it. Like they might have saw some in the car. That's a misdemeanor possession charge, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I am that offended by that. Here's what I'll say about coaches. And football is really hard because there's there's 110 guys. There's more. There's 85 scholarship players, but then you have a slew of walk-ons. It is a lot of bodies and a lot of people to keep track of. And, you can't and babysit them. I'm, all the time. I'm only going off of a basketball uh, uh, locker room and and program in college. I didn't talk to my head coach. Every day, I might talk to him outside of practice, unless we were in practices in season. 
I might talk to my coach once every two weeks, once a week. I don't know. I'm not in his office all the time. He probably doesn't know what I'm doing. They can't live with you. You've got to be really good. And again, it's harder with the numbers of knowing the people that you're recruiting and balancing the talent versus the individual, right? And and we talk about talent. If your talent exceeds your problems, people are going to take a swing on that. It's a delicate balance. And so I think more than anything, you know, so, some of these some of these guys you, you, you probably didn't have the greatest people if you will at the end of the day and and they're just doing what they would normally do you can't change everyone when you're dealing with 105 people you can't be everybody's dad right and when you look at any sport any athlete it's kind of like life i mean it, if if you're listening and you work at a company i'm sure there are some people that are good people and some people that are bad not not bad make, or, or bad, make bad decisions, decisions. that's right. why let me that's correct that. i don't want to judge somebody right. some people make good decisions some people make bad decisions sometimes they're more mature sometimes people are more uh, immature like there's no doubt in my mind kirby smart hasn't told them like to make the right decisions but some people listen some people don't sure. you see that all the time uh, Mike Shanahan, before we had, when I was in the Denver Broncos, anytime we had off time, whether we had just broken minicamp, whether it was, you know, we just had a big win and we were going to get two days off because we'd win and give us a bonus day, he would always leave it with, you know, July 4th was always a big one. Like when we drove sure. for camp, it was July 4th. He'd be like, you know what? You guys have fun. Enjoy yourselves. Smart. He'd be like, get a car, you know, get a car service. It's before Uber, mm-hmm. you know, uh, make sure you stay out of trouble. Don't be any place you shouldn't. But that didn't make us immune from doing that. We'd always have somebody would kind of screw up. Sure. And I would put Kirby Smart in that position. And there is, when you do have the opportunity where you're at a Georgia or you're at a Florida or Florida State or Ohio State, any of these top tier programs, you're going to have players that want to play for you. They're four and five star players that want to come from you. And a lot of times, you know, they've made mistakes in their past. And you're giving them another opportunity. Some guys embrace that. Some guys still are knuckleheads. Right. You know, and you can try to, try to invest in them, invest time, build relationships where you hope they do the right thing, but they're still going to kind of make mistakes. And, and even that takes time. You're right. not changing an 18, 19 year old in one year. God knows, Danny, when I went away to school, my coach probably thought I was the biggest idiot in the world. I just did dumb stuff. And I, and it, I still did dumb stuff when I was 19 and I did a little less dumb stuff, but still plenty of dumb stuff when I was 20. And you know, you, you, you phase out of that, but you don't change a tiger stripes overnight like that. You're dealing with kids. They're going to make mistakes. And I would say to, you know, again, and a lot of this is media driven, like sample the student body. Right. See how many of them are Nobody out there doing. Nobody reads about it. Right. Nobody reads about every single marijuana possession. Correct. Nobody reads about every underage drinking. They don't right. make. Why, why? Why does the athlete have to be held to that much of a, a different standard? Now, if he's out there doing, right. You know, if he's a criminal right. or domestic violence, yeah. or a female, like Stuff that's like a very that's serious different, issue. Right. These but are pretty yeah. you know, small, minor incidences. Uh, and it does seem like Kirby Smart is trying to take ownership, trying to do the right thing, and maybe that's more of a message to his players. Mm-hmm. Like, because I, I know for as a father. Like one of the hardest things I can tell my daughters is, hey, you disappointed me. And that sounds like what he's saying. Hey, I'm, right. my, my players have disappointed me. They let me down a little bit. I'm trying to hold them to a harder standard. So, uh, you know, hope they get things turned around and yep. we'll see what happens uh, as Georgia continues their offseason. Welcome back to Canel and Bell. Let's finish it off a little more NBA. Shaquille O'Neal, I think he's one of the most entertaining dudes out there. I, you know, he's got his funny delivery, uh, on TNT. Those guys do a fantastic he's job. Hilarious. They're like the universally beloved studio show and they're fantastic. Barkley and, uh, Kenny Smith. And, uh, Ernie do a fantastic job. Did you see him, by the way, at Ultra? I showed you the video. Yes. At the music festival yeah. when he's in the mosh pit, yep. like down there with a, like that's the type of stuff that I think makes Shaq so lovable because he's 
he's easily relatable and people see him as this, like he's a giant. He's fantastic. And yet he's like one of the people and he's able to relate to yeah. people, even though he turned me down for an autograph back when I was in college. Yeah, really? Yeah, I didn't get mad because I was like, yeah, I saw him at the moon. I think I told you that story. You did tell me that story. Yeah. 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 Uh, it was not country night that night. It I got was, it. Was <laughs> night when I saw him there, but he had some interesting comments on Giannis uh, and Tenacumpo when he said that he's better than he was at 24, speaking about himself. Yeah, he's better, O'Neal said, and that's why I gave up my Superman title to him in November. And you know what? He works hard. He's a humble kid. He works hard. He doesn't just come up and show up and expect people to say, oh, hey, I do this, I do that, I'm the next whatever. Nah, this kid actually works, and he's earned it. He's earned my respect, and he deserves it, so I'm giving it to him. To answer all the critics' questions, you're right. The kid was better than me at 24. I don't think Giannis has that many critics. I mean, actually, when you say that, but do you agree with Shaq? I mean, the numbers bear it out. You're, yeah. you're looking at it right there. Um, they're different players, though. Yeah. You know, like in in that day and age of the NBA, we weren't ready for Shaq to be doing Giannis things with the ball in his hand, full court, creating from the perimeter. The, the game was played different. So. You're comparing apples and oranges to some degree. If you go purely based on the numbers, you could make an argument that Giannis has better numbers than Shaq at that age. Um, and I'm not going to argue with Shaq. If, right. If Shaq, yeah. Shaq was as dominant a player as we've ever seen in the NBA. It was just a different style. But if Shaq says he thinks Giannis is better at that age, then I'm going to, I'm going with Shaq. I mean, I don't, you tell me if I'm crazy. I think it's fairly obvious that Giannis is a more complete basketball player at 24 than Shaq was at 24. Cause Shaq to me, like Giannis, I see as an exceptional athlete. It's not to say that Shaq wasn't an athlete, but to your point, when he was playing 15, 20 years ago, he was able to just physically impose his will on anybody. He didn't right. have to have that many moves. Like he didn't have to do as much. Where I think Giannis, who still needs to work on his jump shot some, is more athletic and he has a more complete game. I don't know that he's more athletic. You don't think he's a, you don't think he has like a better vert? Shaq like a better was vertical? super. Do you remember young Shaq yeah, before yeah. he put on all that weight? Yeah. He was, yeah. no, seriously. I, yeah, I mean, but I still remember him tearing down backboards. But he was a freak. They trained bigs. Giannis has been trained since a young age to be a guard. Yeah. So his whole skill set is guard. I mean, he goes to work on the block too, but he's been trained, let's say equitably in, in guard skills and big man skills. Pretty sure Shaq was only trained to be a big. Right. He only had 100%. to back to the basket or rolling to the basket, catching lobs. And so if you're, if you're asking me, does Giannis have more all around basketball skill than Shaq? Yeah, probably because of the way he was trained and because of where basketball is, uh, as a sport right now. I would argue though that if you had trained Shaq that way and programmed Shaq to see the game through the lens that Giannis does, which is more, I'm looking at the court this way versus I'm looking at the court that way. Yep. Like this way being the whole court's in front of me. The other way being my back's to the basket and the whole court, you know. Like if Shaq had been programmed to see it like that, I think you could probably see some similarities between the two because he was a super freak of an athlete for that size as well. Just trained completely different than Giannis has been. Yep, so the Bucks, uh and Giannis are actually taking on the Sixers tonight. And it's a pretty fun matchup because of the matchup with him uh, versus Joel Embiid, who's expected to return after a three-game absence. Giannis actually spoke on Joel. He said if he believes he's the most unstoppable player in the NBA, that's good for him. Obviously, he's a really, really good player. He's a hard player to guard. I think, like other people should say that about you, you don't say that about yourself. And that goes to what Shaq was saying about him being humble. That is one of the things I really like about Giannis. He is more subdued, where Joel is a little bit more brash and willing to go out there and talk smack, even though I think he's more of the, he's embracing the fun of it, which is probably more like Shaq. Yeah, I've said this before. Um, I don't have a problem with the way Joel Embiid goes about his business. I think he could go, he could be over the top with it. It could be too much at times. 
But I would be more like Giannis. I, I do believe that those type of statements, while I don't mind if you say them, if you really believe them, I, I wouldn't. I would be more in the Giannis camp of let someone else say that you're the greatest and, and give you those type of, it's like a nickname, right? Yeah. Give yourself a nickname. Right. You, you, someone else dubs you a nickname because of what you've done and, and, and that's your nickname. So I'm more with Giannis, but I don't have a beef with, with Joel. Uh, who do you have? The Bucks are laying four and a half. Ooh, Bucks at Sixers tonight, huh? Giannis's first game back? Yep. I'm going to take the Bucks tonight. I think the Bucks, the Bucks need to solidify. Everyone's playing for something. The Bucks are still trying to make sure they get home court throughout the playoffs. They're the number one seed. I think the Sixers are still trying to maybe scrap to get to the number two spot, if I'm not, or the number three spot. They're jockeying in three and four. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take the Bucks because I think Joel just coming back is going to throw a little bit of a wrench in the Sixers stuff. Uh, the Sixers last time they met, uh, beat them 130, 125. I'm going to say it's flipped. I'm with you. I'm sick. The Bucks uh, laying the four and a half. Debo's going to be upset with that pick when he's right, Debo. Yeah. See you tomorrow.